Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners and how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Hanging out with us today is a man who is a perfect example of what a truly healthy and balanced human in all facets looks like. He holds a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration and Management from the University of Oregon, is not afraid to speak out and go against the status quo, and is the chief oddball at his company Oddball Fitness, in which he empowers individuals to optimize their physical and mental fitness by employing body awareness, functional movement, and proper self-care routines. Please help me in welcoming Mr. Grant Thomas to the show. What's up, Grant? <laughs> What's up? Thank you so much for that intro, Ryan. Yeah, brother. Um, I, I believe that you took some stuff from my LinkedIn profile. I did. I, did. <laughs> I, I go deep, man. You know, I love it. It's like my favorite part of uh, the whole podcast is like digging deep and surprising people uh, with like, damn, man, he did his research. I love that feeling. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, too, because... Um, you know, podcasting was one of those things we were just talking before we started about, you know, like really uh, things that just felt right. But I'm like, I don't know, like everyone's got a podcast. Like, I don't know if I really want to do one. And then it just came to like, you know, honestly, I just love doing this. Like regardless of how popular it gets or if I, you know, become a billionaire or anything like that, I just love doing it. It's just fun, you know, and uh, it gives me energy, you know, and as I always say, are things in life giving you more energy or less energy? And if they're giving you more go towards that you know so that's my uh that's my story and i'm sticking to it (laughs) oh absolutely i mean you hit it right on the head i mean i think we're all in search um for the things that that give us energy um and not that there you know there are plenty of activities that that take energy and they're still very valuable but Mm. uh understanding the the need to have things that uh you know, are rejuvenating and, and restful for you. So whether that's not doing anything and just resting, but, but also like, you know, I'm sure with some of the coaching you do and, and me as well, it's like, okay, for me to take somebody through some a movement session and go through all the details, like I love doing that, but I won't, I will absolutely say that that is energy depleting. But if I am doing a, uh, let's say, a, a call around goal setting or doing some language work and you see these these things change in somebody's mentality and their perspective man i get super juiced yeah. and um <laughs> and sometimes if it's like you know a call at like 7 p.m or something it's like oh man I'm, i gotta get a workout in or, or swing the kettlebell around or something like that <laughs> before i can go to bed because yeah. i am just like on fire so um, yeah, it's all, it's all about finding that balance, you know, and, uh, and, and bringing that energy in, cultivating that energy and then also, um, letting it go and, and, uh, expending that energy. So, yeah, you know, I resonate with that really highly because for a long time, um, I expended a lot of energy, but I didn't cultivate properly. And that was actually like the big takeaway I got from Colorado was like understanding like, oh, that's why on those days where I like spend the hour doing meditation and breath work and like my affirmations and just really tuning into my inner world. 
that's why those days feel better than the days where I decide I'm too quote unquote busy to do that. And so my non-negotiable, which is like what I, I just can't put that silly term for it, but you know, it's my non-negotiable every day. Like I spend that hour every morning. Um, sometimes it's less, sometimes a little more. I don't, I try not to set expectations around it, but, um, you know, it's my non-negotiable with myself. You know, I do it every day because I know that it works. And one of the other things I was tuning into out there is the fact that I always like to figure things out. You know, I love like, you know, figuring out like what makes me tick and what makes other people tick. So when I was, you know, I kept being like, well, what about breath work and what about meditation works? Like, and because I couldn't like immediately come up with an answer, I just unconsciously was saying like, oh, well, I can skip it because I can't figure out why it works. But what I realized out there was it doesn't matter. You know, I don't need to know all the answers. I just know it feels good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Something that's really interesting there. And, you know, um, I've been I've been having this. This was just an observation that I made recently when I was in the middle of a conversation with somebody. But it was it's actually a technique that Paul Check talks about. And it is. Uh, it is talking about the result of a particular action or a process and how you you change the language there so like the example he often gives is like um okay let's say somebody has has like some bad reactions to eating pizza or something like that where he's like um it's like i'm eating my pimples Mm. so by saying instead of pizza like he's saying the result of eating the pizza is pimples Mm -hmm. um but I also I, like I was like, oh man, I could flip that. I could flip that and do it for the things like what you're talking about with like breath work. It's like breath work is work, and it's a process thing. And if we're just focused on why is this working, or oh, I got to do the breath work, it's like okay, it's like, but what's the result of that? Mm. So what would you say is the result of you doing breath work? Uh, mental real estate. Yeah. I'm building mental real estate, mm. you know, or you, I'm going to write that down as an affirmation, not to cut you off. But I'm like, I'm building. Mental no, dude, real do estate. it. Yeah, dude. That's I a- knew it'd be right up your alley. <laughs> dude. You, you love the language. So yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, I was having, cause you know, it's one of those things where I think language is a, you know, we can go really all positive af- affirmative with it. Um, and that is, that is, I, I like that approach for sure. Um, making sure that we're, we're not in the negative or we're not in the, as I say, we're not <laughs> negation acknowledged, Dude. right? Oh um, man. Yeah. But, uh, like flipping it from, you know, something that has more of a negative connotation where it's like, we are focused on something that is negative. Like I'm eating my pimples versus mm-hmm. I'm building mental real estate. I'm. I'm opening up my thoracic cavity or, you know, like what is the result of it? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my feel good exercises, you know, like different things like that. It's it's just a perfect little hack to apply to these things that, uh, do take work. Mm. You know, we can get caught up in the process of, Oh man, like, I think we should enjoy the process, but what, what helps us enjoy that process is not focusing on the process, like, but like just being present and also knowing that we're doing something good for ourselves. Yeah. I love that, man. And 
you know, you bring up a really good point there. And where I, what I tell all my clients is, you know, the reason that language I feel is one of the biggest keys to creating the life you've ever dreamed of, you always dreamed of, or creating the reality that like, you know, is hostile, right? Is that, you know, where attention goes, energy flows, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're unconsciously, because again, we've been trained, like the English language is a bitch, right? Like just let's, let's be honest, right? Like when you really look at it, my girlfriend and I, she's, she just didn't lifted one as well. And, um, we were on Martha's Vineyard, uh, last week and it was like pure relaxation time. So we mm-hmm. would just, you know, like roll a joint and walk around Oak Bluffs and just, you know, really like vibe out on language. And we really like, there was like an epiphany moment for me where I realized, like, I just had that moment where I was like, Oh my God, like, the whole English language really is focused on what you don't want, right? Like, no, I don't want pizza. You know, like if someone's like, hey, do you want pizza? You're like, no, I don't want pizza. You know, but your first thing is not like, how about Chinese food? You know, it's like interesting how these things work. And I like psyched myself out on that uh, for a little while. I was like, whoa, uh, that's very interesting. And so um, I tell people all the time, like, that's exactly like I'm eating my pimples is telling you like you're going to get pimples, right? Versus like, yeah. you know, I'm like I'm building mental real estate is like exactly what you want to do instead of saying like I'm doing breath work and therefore you're, you know, unconsciously telling yourself that you have to do work that has to do with breath to get some result that you're not even saying. So, yeah, man, that's a that's a rabbit hole like that um i've been really loving going down but uh <laughs> every time i go down it there's a certain point where i just get so confused i'm like okay like i'm trying to tra- <laughs> i'm trying to translate like every single word i'm saying i'm like oh my god i can't even talk anymore <laughs> so <laughs> it's funny how that works <laughs> yeah there's there's two things that came to mind during that and let me see if i can dive into to both of these here but the one is what you just said about you know, focusing particularly on the example of the the pimples. Um, if we could say the same thing with pizza as like I'm nourishing my soul, mm. and I think, well, what we believe does become true. Yes. So yeah, you know, I think language is a great hack for that. But you know, sometimes it takes some repetitions to really believe that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like we can talk ourselves into beliefs or we can shape our language into believing certain things. So creating that negative reaction from food, creating that negative reaction from a certain situation strictly because that's what we believe. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so when we talk about specifically, you know, since we are talking about food here, but we got the, the three energy centers or the three brains of, of the body. We got the brain, we got the heart and we got the gut. And, when it specific specifically comes to food, I really look at those three things and it's, it's basically if those things are not in harmony, then there will be some distress caused by what you're putting in the body. So, you know, I can have some food that is quote unquote bad for me. Right. But if it's in a situation where I'm connecting with other people or I'm connecting with myself or I'm eating it very mindfully and I'm really enjoying it, that could really have a positive impact on, on us as well. So, you know, we, we got to be careful with going down too deep into some of the, uh, this is good or bad in terms of health. Um, it's, uh, it can be a slippery slope there. You know, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something I've really been tuning into recently, um, which is like during a medicine journey, I was asking a lot of, you know, questions and 
whatnot. And the answer I got, I don't know if it was my soul, just like, listen, dude, you just got to be more. So I'm just going to give you the answer to everything, which is just whatever you believe you become, you know, yes. and, and it's just like it, it rings true. So it's funny because you see those people who smoke cigarettes and live to be a hundred and they never get cancer. Right. And one of the things I've noticed in the couple people I've met that are in those situations where they, you know, they, they, they're not like, you know, smoking eight packs a day or something insane. Right. But they're enjoying themselves. Right. And, uh, yeah. and same with eating, same with everything is they thoroughly are just happy and they believe that these things add value to their life. And then I started really thinking about like, wow, like, you know, I know with my own journey, like when I got into fitness and eating well, it was like, oh, I can't eat that. Oh, I can't eat that. Oh, I can't eat that because it'll make me feel this way. Right. And I was casting all these spells, right, of like, oh, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And now one of the things I do is when I do decide to like have fun, you know, like when I'm in the vineyard, they're like I'm going to eat some pizza. I'm going to have a hamburger. I'm not going to care about bread. You know, I look at it and the, the prayer I put over it is like, this is going to be the best food I've ever put in my body, you know, and I, I tune yeah. into it. And like you said, I'm mindful with every bite. I love it. It's awesome. And yeah, I feel great after. I feel like I just got my battery charged. So yeah, very curious. I'm, uh, and, ta know, yeah. and taking that step of prayer or a mantra or having some sort of language around what you're going to, to, to get you get those three energy centers of your body harmonized. You know, I, I think that's a really beautiful thing um, where that's where the, the language thing and the power of thought and all this can be a huge hack for us mm. because it really is, you know, the power of belief is, is beyond quantifiable right there. Uh, as you, you said it perfectly. You know, what we believe is what we become. Yeah. And uh, I think something else that comes up there is um, – you know, the, the language of, oh, when I reach this certain point, then I'll do this, mm -hmm. right? Or when I'm out of pain, then I can, you know, become really good at this one particular uh, exercise regimen, right? And it's yep. like, what if I just started on that exercise regimen? You know, it was realistic about where I need to start, but just started on it and maybe I just live into that. And the, when I get past this, that just happens automatically in the process. So, you know, these are the things where we're creating new identity through action. And with that new identity, those things of your old identity for, you know, specifically me, what I've noticed in the past 18 months is the more and more I live into my new identity or the, 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 the person that I'm creating and the person that I want to be, the, the patterns that have held me back, those diminish, they become smaller. The, uh, the contractions, the setbacks are fewer and far between. So, you know, um, we can, we can go into this a bit more, um, if you'd like to, but you know, I, I spent like 10 years of my life, from like age 18 to basic, well, I guess it'd be like eight or nine, but like really in chronic pain. Mm. Um, and a lot of people, when they would look at me, they, they would think that like nothing was wrong, um, that, you know, I had a good body, I was very functional, all these different things. And, and that just, that couldn't be further from the truth uh, with the reality that I was experiencing at that time. And um, so, over the past 18 months, I've really 
focused on growth and focused on living into the things, living into the grant that um, I see myself, my higher self. And with that, the pain pathways, the pa- the patterns of pain, the postures that that you know contributed to me being in pain or out of alignment. Those things are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller in my life, and and what's replacing them are, are things that I want, and those things are becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. So, where my energy or, or where my focus is, where my energy you know goes, is is where it flows, right? So yeah. it's it's been a, a very interesting process of reassessing where my focus is and seeing what happens with that. Yeah. You know, you brought up, again, so many great things there. And the first thing I want to touch on is the concept of messy action, right? Like you were talking about making realistic goals, but just taking some action. And as a quote unquote recovering perfectionist myself, um, (laughs) you know, I know messy action has been something that's really served me well, like because, again, with highly optimized, like just like the thought of like even two years ago of putting out a podcast that had me like forgetting a word or messing up a word would just seem like insane, you know, and then, but like, that's just not how life is, you know, and um, the unconscious belief behind that, the unconscious limiting belief was that other people were going to judge me for that. And what I came to realize was um, that I was judging me right? Mm. Like that's the number one thing uh, to take accountability of that. But number two, if people judge me, those aren't the right people for me. And that's just helping me find the audience that is going to resonate with my message, you know? And yeah. um, so I love that concept. And the second one is the con- the, uh, the subject of identity and it being flexible, not rigid, right? And mm-hmm. this is something I was tuning into, I think, with Nico the other day when I was talking to him on the podcast. And we were talking about how, like, if you look at yourself from, like, right now, present day grant and then i asked you like what grant was like five years ago and 10 years ago you'd probably say wildly different right yeah yeah and it's like you know i think but i'm gonna put this on myself i know that for myself for a long time i thought identity was rigid right it's like you're born with it and that's it right and that's kind of like with everything right and so one of the identities I adopt, uh, I adopted with um, regards to just you know self development was the identity of the learner, right? Because mm-hmm. um, originally I was so worried about like oh if I get like again a word wrong or something like that, um, you know I'm gonna judge me, people are gonna judge me, and one of the things I realized was by adopting the identity of the learner, um, I'm actually excited when I get things wrong because it's like, oh, I can go learn and get better and then I'll be the next best version of myself, right? So that was something cool that you brought up that I wanted to touch on. And um, one, of the, one of the questions I ask myself every morning is, what person do I have to be to, you know, do podcast today or to do this coaching call or to, you know, be a good boyfriend or to be a good son or whatever. So, you know, that's a great question that I love asking uh, each morning just to really tune into like, you know, what energy I want to bring to the table and what energy I want to bring forth from my being. And um, that's been something that's really served me well. And the last thing was um, considering we're both Checkies, right? And we actually met in yeah. HLC one for everyone listening to this. Uh, so it's just so funny how things come full circle. <laughs> but um, did you happen to listen to Paul's episode with Gary Crozier or Crazier? Um, with uh, he's the guy that started PT Enhance. I don't know if you're familiar with that um, episode, but um, yeah, you know, you... I, I I did listen to that one. 
Um, I didn't make it all the way through because Paul's got some marathon podcasts Dude. for sure. But yes. uh, I, I did listen to about an hour and a half of it. What yeah. uh, what specifically were you going to dive into there? So one of the things he said that was super interesting, and for everyone listening, um, I'll explain kind of like a little bit of synopsis of what the episode was about. But he was in chronic pain for years, right? And um, and I experienced this too, which is why I really resonated with that aspect of what you were saying as well. Pretty much everything you've said so far resonated with, um, which is why we're doing this podcast. But, um, <laughs> you know, one of the things that he uh, talked about was that he had chronic pain for so long that he was unconsciously, when he woke up, searching for the pain. He'd be mm-hmm. like, like, say his knee hurt, right? He'd wake up and go, okay, how does my knee feel? Is my knee feel messed up? Does it feel the same as yesterday? And he put so much attention on it that, of course, yep. you're going to manifest pain, right? Because you hold a memory. Pain holds a memory. So even when it's not there, your body's going to keep itself out of alignment to protect itself, quote unquote, from that area of, you know, that was affected. And so one of the things I loved that I've used ever since is he said, so what I started doing was, I would wake up each morning and and ask myself what felt good, right? Like so, <laughs> like oh, yes. like, how's my right big toe feel? Because again, like when you think of it, like even when you're in chronic pain, I know in my case, like it was like headaches and neck tension. Like my head and my neck are two parts of my body. There's like what forty or fifty other parts that felt great, right? So if you put your attention there, then again, like you know, it's like where attention goes, energy flows once again, and your obsessions become your possessions, you know? So mm-hmm. what you obsess over, you know, it's like, it's funny how, um, what I was thinking of wow, when we were talking is just the fact that like, we're all walking around with superpowers that we have no idea how to use. And we're like, Oh, why did this thing happen to me? It's like, because you manifested it, you know, it's like, we're way more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that really, you know, that rings home so true to an experience that I, I still occasionally have where I am seeking out pain in mm. the body, you know, and for so long, it was what I knew. So I would seek out the back pain. It was essentially a way for me to map my body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so I would, I would do that all the time where and, and I was actually working with a physical therapist maybe four or five years ago, and we made a lot of progress. And I, I was like doing really well with, uh, with things. And she was like, don't seek out the pain. <laughs> and that was one of those things where she probably could have used some language coaching and, yeah. know, Hey, focus on what feels good. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, don't feed into the pain. And, and, um, and, and sure enough, I, I, I went back to that because it, even though we know it's suboptimal, it's what we know. And taking a step outside of that, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknown. And there's a lot of resistance. So uh, we can we can talk about pain science all, all we want in terms of, oh, it's, you know, our, our body is sending us signals that something is wrong or something is out of alignment or, you know, whatnot. Um, but it is what we know if it's chronic. And so... And the other thing that is wild is just, you know, the, uh, you know, neurons that uh, fire together, wire together. So, you know, if I am, if I am just navigating through my life with chronic pain and building new skills or learning new things or, or attaching habits to like certain bad habits for me are attached to particular pain pathways. At least that's how I see it. And I, and you know, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where we can give 
we can give that way too much merit. And then it, again, it's like a power of belief thing where we feed into that way too much, but we can also use it as something to gather more perspective and understand, Hey, by me creating new routines, by me creating new rituals, me creating new habits, that can pull me out away from this one habit that's hindered me for so long. So understanding that to shape a new identity, it's it, there's there's going to be a lot of things that come with that, and um, and that's something that we is is new, it's fresh, it's it's unknown. There's a lot of fear around it, but understanding that like we have the absolute power to completely create a new reality, a new identity, a new human experience for ourselves. You know, one that was going from experiencing pain in a chronic manner on a day-to-day basis to feeling good in the body, moving the body, moving through tension, moving through stress rather than clinging on to it and, and whatnot. And so, um, it's, uh, the brain stuff is wild. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> I, it's a double-edged sword for sure, but, uh, really interesting. And I think there's so much we can, we can use as, as, as you mentioned, superpowers, mm-hmm. we, we are superior, like we are superior beings. We have the ability to really create a lot, whether that is, uh, you know, good or bad. <laughs> yeah. You said it perfectly. And what I immediately thought of was just, it all comes down to the stories we're telling ourselves. Right. And you know, I know for a long time I was, you know, I was fighting for my limitations rather than my possibilities. And I'm sure a lot of people listening feel that same thing or they might not even really realize it yet. Um, I remember when I became aware of it and I started like, you know, when I met Mark and, um, you know, when I, like I was well on my way of self-development and thought I had at least a pretty good lease on, you know, my reality. And we did our first coaching call and afterwards I was like, ah, shit. (laughs) Like, but it was a good shit. It was like, well, damn, you know, that humbled me a little bit because he would just, you know how Mark is. He's like got the, like the best poker face. And then he'll just be like, Hey, did you notice how you just did that? And I'm like, ah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, uh, do you ever think of this? And I'm like, oh shit, you know, and uh, (laughs) it was just, you know, that's why that's one of the many reasons I love that guy so much because, you know, that's why I love coaching because you think about like coaching versus therapy, right? And again, no diss on therapy. It's done a lot of great things for some people, but I know for me personally, um, you know, I went to school for psychology, so that was the route that I wanted to go down. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand, again, this was like when I was 22, so I'm 29 now, so a lot, like a lifetime ago, let's say, right? And um, so I didn't know why at the time, but it just didn't feel right to me. It felt, um, I don't know, It. this might be a really weird way to relate it, but um, it felt like the smell of office supplies to me, you know, it just felt really cheesy. Uh, and, you know, like looking back on it, you know, I don't know the exact reason, but I can surmise that it was because just going to focus on all the things that were wrong all the time in your life, like looking backwards constantly just didn't seem right to me, you know? And, um, again, then I left psychology and went into cannabis and then left cannabis, get into coaching. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. That, yeah, duh. And all makes sense now. Um, so looking forward, you know, and really like, okay, you're here now. Yes. Take accountability, but what's, what's, from, what's out from here? You know, what can you do from here? Who do you want to become from here? Um, 
those are questions that have helped me a lot because again we are able to we have imagination right like no other animal has the ability to imagine things no other being on this planet so our ability to use that imagination is our superpower you know and it's like and it's just like be careful with what you do with it because you know you can manifest some pretty bad stuff into your life and the what was me victim mentality that we've all you know that we've learned about with mark and um other places it's yeah it's 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 scary you know because i have loved ones and i'm sure you do too and i'm sure everyone listening can relate to this too like you know when you start taking accountability for your life which again accountability is like a harsh word it sounds like something bad right like that's what i felt anyway when i first heard like yeah. accountability like oh i gotta own my shit but it's actually the most empowering thing you can do for yourself because when you admit for better or worse, that you're in the position you are because you put yourself there, whether unconsciously, consciously, you know, good or bad, whatever, then you have the ability to now change it, right? And I think that's amazing, right? So when I took accountability for my own life and for my own stories, it's like, you know, you start noticing how many people around you are just projecting and like, you know, and are, you know, casting spells that are keeping them where they are. And it's funny because you... (laughs) I want to go out and fix the world, you know, and uh, people don't take too kindly to that. (laughs) So I had to learn real quick, like, you know, just to speak my truth. And if people resonate, like talk to those people, you know, and the other people will come around whenever they feel like they want to, you know. But yeah, if you speak to everyone, you'll be heard by no one. That was something that uh, was a hard pill to swallow for me, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's that's a continuous thing, a Mm -hmm. continuous reassessment there, too, because, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's. I, I feel the same way about my coaching, particularly like the movement stuff that I do. It's like, I know it's not for everybody, but it hands down 100% can work for anybody. Mm. And it's really about meeting those people that are ready for what I'm doing. They're interested in what I'm doing. They are pulling on that thread in their life and they want to, they want to explore that area further. And I am there for them. Um, and they're, they're like, it's, it's been challenging for me. Cause like I said, I, I experienced a big life crisis and it took me a long time to really wake up to it, you know? Um, but being in chronic pain at age 18, like I got those signals from my body that things were out of alignment and that there was a calling for, for something else in my life. Um, and some people never get that signal from their body or they might get it when they're like 35, 40, 50. And even though there could be some things wrong in the body um, and out of alignment or injuries, like some people, you know, those signals don't come until later in life. So, I mean, I used to look at that stuff as like, Oh man, this is horrible. I can't believe I'm in chronic pain at age 18, age 19. But like I really put myself there and it's really become my muse. It's been something that drives the, uh, the actions that I've taken since. And it was cool to hear you talk about psychology. You're in psychology, then the cannabis industry. And then now you're in coaching and it's like, but you've weaved all those things together with what you're doing right now. And I think that's really cool. And it's something for me, you know, you mentioned that like, um, 
like I, I went to school for business mm. and you know I became a coach about two and a half years ago and really when I look at where where the most value for me lies is like cool I've gotten some great education with movement and exercise and coaching but really those things because I did those later on after I had gone through these other experiences of being in chronic pain, you know, building a whole bunch of muscle on a whole bunch of dysfunction um, that I developed through injuries and particular rotational sports uh, over the years, like building a ton of muscle in college and losing all athleticism there. That was an experience that I know a lot of people like I can relate to a lot of people with that. A lot of people go through that stuff. Same thing, uh, sitting <laughs> sitting at a desk for four years working as the director of marketing for a small software company and going through the process of trying to stay healthy and stay stay um, stay moving and and prevent myself from getting glued up in all these different areas, even though it felt like an uphill battle every single day, you know, and then switching careers. And then thinking I was going to get in the best shape of my life and all this and then getting slammed in the face. Like, oh, there's a lot of responsibility. Here I am back in the gym, bunch of weights. <laughs> there's Grant's ego again going through all this stuff. And you combine that with all the education. And my experience in my education has brought me to a point where, shit, what Grant offers, what Oddball Fitness is, is really a collection of of all those experiences and all that education. And I have a very unique product that I deliver. I have a very unique service that I deliver because of that stuff. So it's cool to see that for you as well. I mean, I'm sure you can piece even more of those experiences, but just knowing a couple of things that you've gone through and looking at what you do now, it's like, Oh, of course, <laughs> of course, Ryan had to go through these things yeah. to get to this point. Right. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I love what you just brought up there, too, because I have this thing that I really resonate with, which is your mess becomes your mission. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's exactly what we're talking about right now is, you know, there is, you know, life happens. Right. Like things happen. And and I 100 percent agree with you. Like, you know, my first um, like I didn't have chronic pain until I was about 23. And then I started getting like, you know, tendonitis, like in my knees, my elbows, because I was just again, just like you said, I was putting a lot of muscle on dysfunction. Um, I was uh, getting my ego way too entrenched and I was just doing silly things like trying to do like curls with 45 pound dump. Like what the hell? Like I'm six, four, like I have lanky arms. Like I can't, I shouldn't <laughs> be doing that kind of stuff, you know? So, um, you know, understanding, uh, was a lot of it and just learning, but yeah, like really just understanding now, like, Oh, okay. I went through all those things because now I'm able to help other people not have to make the same mistakes, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way too. It's, you know, it's, it's valuable. And in, in a lot of ways, like that's what people, you know, work with people like you and I for, right. They're, they're seeking something and they're, you know, that's actually exactly why I always suggest people get a coach. It's like, I was talking about this with Kyle Langan yesterday too. Um, about how like Doug Pillar and I, we talk about cheat codes, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. cheat codes kind of have a, a bad rep to them, right? But the way that I mean them is like, if you have some, if you want to get a, if you have a goal, right? And you find someone who's done what you want to do, then there's two different types of energy in the world. There's time and there's money. And so personally, I feel time is the most valuable source of energy, right? Because money you can make, but time you can't really make back. So for me, 
I value my time. So if I know someone who has done what I want to do and I can save time by giving them money to show me the quote unquote cheat codes, then I'm going to take that 10 out of 10 times, you know? Um, and that's like, that was like the perfect example uh, or explanation from Kyle of why we get coaches, you know? Um, it's like, hey, you know, someone's figured it out. They have the answers. Just go pay them and get the answers, right? And it's not so you don't have to skip the work. It's just so you don't have to go through the the struggle part of it, you know? Because you'll find your own struggles. Everyone's going to have them, you know? Um, but you want to minimize them as much as possible in theory, you know? And uh, so I'm curious, you know, talking about oddball fitness, like, you know, I'd love for you to go into uh, what that is. Um, like, dude, I, I 100% agree. Like, that style of movement is so special. Like, I've been getting huge into animal flow and just different flows and just cool movements. Um, like, Brooks is amazing at what he does with animal flow. And watching him mm-hmm. move in Colorado really, like, you know, I've been getting into a lot of functional training. But that was just, like, so fun, you know? Like, playing animal yeah. flow tag and stuff where, like, you're a monkey or you're a bear and you have to, like, catch the monkey. Oh, man, so much fun. So, I'd love for you to go into um, what it is uh, when you started it and all the ins and outs, my man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I, I kind of brushed over some of the big life events that that brought me to, um, you know, making a career change and then ultimately starting my own business with Oddball Fitness. Um, but just to summarize some of that stuff, i i played um, I played baseball growing up, and that's a you know a very heavy rotational sport to to one direction. And, um, and through that, I developed a lot of asymmetries that I just didn't really realize, uh, were, were, you know, contributing to, to certain things. I also, uh, broke my leg when I was in high school playing football at the, at the fibula. So my, my left ankle just blew up and I had to have surgery on it. And, um, you know, there was definitely some identity things around, around that, that, uh, I had to work through in terms of, I, um, I had always associated with, with myself with being athletic. So anytime I lost athleticism in my life, um, there was, there was really more of like an existential crisis with that. I didn't feel complete. Um, so when I did finally go to school and I wasn't, you know, doing anything that, uh, was athletic per se, I just, I, I was like, all right, I want to be really big. I want to be muscly. So I weigh about, I'm 5'8", like 155 right now. Uh, back in college, I had a bunch of muscle on me. So the heaviest weight I got to was 198 pounds. Wow. And uh, just not, I mean, like to have that, you know, be a good 198, 198 pounds on a 5'8 frame, like that that takes a lot of time and, and, and maintenance yeah. and whatnot. And, and you got to do it correctly and uh, I, I certainly didn't like I was not taking these different things into consideration and I just I lost all athleticism and based on a few things I've talked about you can guess where the pain came from right mm-hmm. so I just tied myself into this huge mess of, of knots and, and whatnot and and was experiencing uh, again another identity crisis of like oh well this is what I do this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a trainer and all that. And, um, and now I can't do it anymore. And so there was a big, you mentioned it earlier, victim mentality. Woe is me. At one point I, uh, I did get some MRIs on my, my neck and my back and 
I didn't really find anything. And I, I was really bummed because like I wanted a quick fix. I wanted them to cut me open and I wanted them to operate on me. I thought, Hey, you know, then I can get back to what I'm doing. And, and, and uh, I look back at those moments where, you know, I was in Eugene, Oregon, heaviest rain outside after I got out of this, this, um, the spinal institute um, where I had an appointment with a doctor and I just was like bawling in my car. And I, I look at that. I look back at those moments and I'm just like, Oh man, fuck. Yeah. I'm so thankful for those moments. <laughs> right. Cause like I didn't get cut open and, and uh, you know, it was, I, I'm sure if I kept searching, I would have found a surgeon that was willing to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So, but uh, that really, you know, that was the first moment where I really started to explore other things. Um, I got into yoga. Um, I still was very frustrated with fitness and, and whatnot. Um, but I, I started to take care of myself a bit more at that point and, and uh, lost a lot of weight and, and was okay with it. You know, explored other interests and, and ultimately, you know, started working at a job where I really just, once I started sitting in a desk, I just noticed all that stuff come back. Mm. Um, and I think for, for multiple reasons, you know, one, I was sitting all day long, but then there was the other part of it is like, I was doing something that was cool and I enjoyed doing, but like, it wasn't what I was meant to be doing, you know, and there was always a call, even when I didn't believe in myself, there was always a call to like, Oh man, like I'd really like to be doing training or I'd really like to be doing coaching or I want to build something. It was, it was an online marketing company. So I was like, I, I want to build some sort of resources for people online that, you know, want to, want to stay active, but live, live their life, you know, very sedentary and, uh, and they're at, in a desk all the time. And so I was like, uh, I was really feeling a call there, but still never really acted on it. I never got the case of, what we were talking about earlier of the, the fuck it's, but in a good way, right? Like, (laughs) fuck it, I'm doing it. Right. (laughs) So, um, so then eventually I, I was like, okay, I spent three, like three and a half years there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give myself a year. Um, I'm going to buy the NASM certification and I'm going to take it and the test and, and get certified and then get a job at a gym. And so I made that switch and, and, um, you know, started working with clients and realized that it was a really tough gig. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, it was something that was requiring a lot of responsibility, uh, for other people and, and, and their goals and, and for me to really do what I wanted to do as well. Um, it just wasn't feasible. Like I broke my body down again and I, and I got to like a really, challenging spot once again uh in a lot of pain doing different movements doing the functional training doing the animal flow doing the mobility all that but the mentality that i had back in college was right back you know just uh no pain no gain just a just a poor relationship with myself Mm. and um you know i was sensing a lot of change in my life and i was uh, this this really relates to a lot of the language work here, but I was sensing a lot of change in my life, and and um, really the the big realization for me to really make some changes on a, a mentality level, and then with that things 
when it came to movement changed drastically too was I, I was in the inaugural and lifted class, like the first class and with Mark and Mike. And, mm. and, uh, the reason I joined it is Mike Bledsoe was like, if you want to know what I'm most passionate about, like what I'm working on right now, like it's this. And I was like, Oh shit. And it was pretty affordable <laughs> at that time because it was like, it was the first class. And so I was like, sign me up. All right, cool. I don't really know what this is, but like, cool, let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we start going into the work and I'm like, okay, I get this language stuff, like, sure, whatever. And we get, develop some awareness around it. And I was like, okay, this is good information. Um, I, I see the benefit of it and, and whatnot, but like, I, I had no idea, <laughs> you know? And then I started realizing some of the habits in my life and, and how this, the language that I was using in my head and then also out loud were indicative of what sort of relationship I had with myself. Mm. And the, the biggest thing that uh, I remember was just there's something about the bathroom, right? Whether, whether you're taking a shower, whether you're taking a shit, you're peeing, whatever, like thoughts come up. And, or like sometimes sometimes it's like you know creative thoughts sometimes it's like you know these detrimental thoughts these positive thoughts whatever it may be but things come up so i recognized that i was in the shower every night in pain and sulking about different things in my life and i would not just think these things but i would give that inner voice my actual voice and i would say out loud you're a piece of shit and I believed it. I 100% believed it. And, you know, I started to recognize that. And I was like, wow, that's uh, really unhealthy. And so, you know, I started to just bring some awareness to it. Not really making any drastic changes with my language or whatever, but just bringing some awareness to it. And I started to see a big shift. And I started to focus on what I wanted versus what I didn't want and what I was currently experiencing that was hindering me from what I, what I wanted to do. And, um, and through that, I recognized that I was way too stressed and I was contributing to all that stress. So I took a lot of ownership for what was going on in my life and decided to change it. And I didn't really have any sort of direction as to what I needed movement wise. Um, this is when a lot of the, the check stuff, um, well, you know, a lot of the stuff covered in how to eat, move and be healthy rang true. Cause I was experiencing it all. I was experiencing the, the sickness of the mind and how that contributed to all these different things physically. And so through that process, I was just like, okay, I need to rid my body of stress. And I just lowered the intensity of everything I was doing. Um, I exper experimented a bunch with different movement practices and, and just started to, I already had a broad base of movement experience and different things that I could coach people on. Um, but of the lower intensity side of things, I clearly like needed to implement those things and apply those things. So I just, I just started throwing shit at the wall and just 
playing around with different things, lowering the intensity, um, really reading my body, listening to my body and, and, and giving it what it was asking for. And in combination with a lot of the mentality work I was doing as well, I started to see a new avenue. So around that time, I decided to leave the gym I was at and I started my own business and I, I didn't really know how I was going to pay rent at this other gym for, you know, but I was like, I'm going to do it. So I just, I made the jump, said, fuck it. And, uh, you know, started running my own business out of this other gym and, and around that time, um, I, uh, I was like, I had a few people that were remote that were really interested in what I was doing. And, you know, they were friends of mine and they, they had a bit more details of what I was going through and they, but they were still like really interested in it. So I built my first program online about a year ago and it had a lot of gaps and it was pretty rough, but it was a combination of de-stressing movement, mobility, and um an animal flow uh you know like just all body weight so no nothing that was uh needed equipment wise and um the few people that hopped on it like really i saw i saw like a lot of things change physically but i saw a lot of the same changes that happened with me in terms of just ridding my body of stress and and bringing some sort of mindfulness aspect to the movement practice and so i was like okay there's something here this is tight and then i went i was like okay but what how do i reach the most people and this is you know i don't want to say this is like a mistake but it was something that i really felt you know i was like oh you know this low intensity stuff really applies across the board i could you know market this to uh like my parents and my parents friends and and that you know, baby boomers and whatnot. So I was like, okay, cool. So let me build something that's all about de-stressing the body. So I built a very low intensity program after that called active de-stress. And, um, and I, and I ran with that for about the first half of this year. And, um, you know, I just started to see who was following me. Um, I started to see where my movement practice was going and, I also was something I, I skipped over, but, you know, I, I got some education specifically around neurology and the neurology of movement. And that really blew my mind. It gave purpose to all the lower intensity stuff, gave purpose to all the quote unquote oddball stuff. Um, and I was like, this is tight. Like, this is a really like cool thing to a cool layer to add here. And like, I am nerding out on this stuff. This is, this is amazing. And so I really incorporated that in active de-stress as well, where it's like, hey, we can use these neurological inputs to stress the body, stress the nervous system in these very specific ways to build resilience to stress. So um, basically, I what, I what I'm getting at here is like I saw um, the opportunity for me, like I got very general results with for people through the active de-stress program. And I recognize that, there was a broad base of people in that, and um, and it, you know I, I marketed it to just kind of generally, right? And you market something generally, you package something generally, you get general general results, and so uh, people got good results, but they weren't specific. That you know it was it was tough to get a read on what it actually was helping people with. So 
I took that program and I basically just was like, okay, what's the purpose of this program? It was like building daily movement into people's lives. And I was like, okay, that's my one-on-one coaching right there. And this way I can just customize it for everybody. I can use this huge movement vocabulary that I've developed over the years and, and all these different modalities that I know how to use and coach people on. And I can meet people exactly with where they're at and provide them with a very personalized and customized experience. And, um, and so that is my, my one-on-one coaching, um, there. So I am, I'm coaching people on building a, a daily movement practice, prioritizing movement, understanding where they are, uh, in terms of their time, their energy, and building them a program that meets their specific needs in terms of injuries, focus areas, um, and then ultimately their goals, and then also basing that on what sort of equipment they have. So, you know, I have people that are using kettlebells and doing animal flow and whatnot, and then I have people that are doing, like, very flowy, Tai Chi-inspired movement because they're simply not doing anything at all during the day. And it's like, okay, I... (laughs) We got to make this bite size. We got to make this accessible for these people because first and foremost, if, if these people are in pain, my first question to them is like, all right, are you prioritizing some intentional movement on a daily basis? No. Let's start there. Like before you even ask me what sort of corrective exercises are best for your particular injury, you got to be greasing the groove every day. You got to be moving around to some extent every single day with, with intention. So that's where I start people um, with my one-on-one practice. And then, you know, with oddball fitness and the oddball movement, which is my movement membership that I just launched. Um, it's a, it's a body weight movement membership where people get, um, a new program, a new phase of the program every single month. And, um, that really goes back to (laughs) giving people what they want. And when people ask me or not, when, when people describe what I do, most of the time they're saying, oh, Grant does this animal movement or this primal movement or like this ground stuff and it's really cool and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I do that. But it's like it's it's one modality. It's one aspect. I really enjoy doing it, but I do a lot of other stuff to support that because I recognize that there's a lot of joint mobility and joint joint uh, joint stability as well that's required to, to do that stuff consistently and sustainably, I found out the hard way, you know? So, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to give people what they want. And that is a body weight movement practice, but I'm also going to give them what they need. And so, you know, people get the whole oddball package of, all right, we are factoring in our relationship with gravity, understanding, um, how to stack the spine, how to move joints through space, how to mobilize uh, our different joints, focusing on figure eight patterns and circles and, and getting these things functioning, um, getting the dots functioning more effectively, and then using different practices to weave those dots together to connect those dots, the dots being the joints. Um, and then, uh, you know, factoring in rhythm, you know, so every, everybody has rhythm to some extent. Some have better rhythm than others. And, uh, but really using that as an opportunity to connect those dots, but also connect people to themselves and how they move and finding their own flow. Um, factoring in breath. Absolutely. Breath is such a huge focus, you know, and, 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 uh, 
it's getting to be like a cliche at this point, but like for good reason. And so really showing people these different breathing practices and also how to factor breath into all their movement and, and, um, and what they, what they need to be focusing on when it comes to the breath, uh, vision, you know, is a, is another huge thing, the visual system neurologically. And I'm sure you're aware of this, but just super, super important for, um, us experiencing life. And, and it's also really, really important for the information required for, proper movements and uh and balanced movements and, and whatnot um and then you know harmony just weaving it all together finding uh, a movement practice that works for your life and supports your life and uh yeah so i you know i we, we can if you're interested uh we can go into a lot more of the neurology of movement and how i view that um i think that's really fascinating if, if you feel that that's something your listeners would would be interested in um, but yeah, that's really, that's really oddball fitness right there. It's, uh, it's about taking ownership of your own health. And, uh, I give people the tools, the tools that, uh, are a culmination of my experience and education over the years. Yeah. You know, that's so amazing, man. And there's so much that I resonated with in that, especially the fact that everyone's an individual, you know, and so that what works for one person might not work for another person. And also like you were mentioning, like people are like, Oh, he does animal flow and stuff. And it's like, I'm sure everyone that you talk to is pulling out something different, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, this is what I, you know, really got out of it. And you're like, yeah, sure. Cause it's like the same with my coaching, you know, like when I coach people, um, you know, they have wildly different experiences because everyone's an individual, you know? And <laughs> one of the interesting things you brought up there was the subject of stress, right? And I'm curious as to why you think we as a society right now are so chronically stressed. And I mean, there's a million rabbit holes we can go down here, but you know, in regards to like just the sedentary lifestyles that people are in, like sitting at a desk for a long time and all these things and not really being mindful of, um, you know, like our bodies, you know, like a lot of people, like, again, it's like you talked about vision, right? And, you know, I think you were talking about it much more in like the typical sense. But, you know, um, what I thought of when you said that was like the fact of kind of what we were talking about with language, like once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. And so like, you know, once you become conscious of like movement and mobility, you, I just notice it everywhere. Like, you know, I've been working with, um, a great guy actually out in this area. I'll connect you to, um, he's a great guy. His name is Joe Santos. I think he was episode mm-hmm. number four on this. Um, but he's big into like PRI and, um, you know, animal flow, nap move, all that stuff or move nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, just like my little bit of an anterior tilt. So we corrected that. And uh, Rachel, my girlfriend, she had a little bit of a posterior tilt. So we corrected that. And um, it's funny, like when we were in the vineyard, you know, again, just like language nerding out and just on the beach, like, oh, anterior tilt, oh, posterior tilt, you know, <laughs> it's like so yeah. funny, man, you know. And uh, so I'm curious as to like why you think uh, chronic stress is chronic these days, you know, why everyone's dealing with it in some way, shape or form. Yeah, you know, I'm really glad you asked that question because it's uh, it's changed really over the last year, my perspective on this. And uh, let me go back to what I was talking about with uh, active de-stress. And, and that really was born out of like my relationship with stress at that particular time. And that was that, you know, stress, even though I knew stress was a neutral thing, right, and that it's something that we we need to grow 
right? It yeah. was it, in my head at that time, it was very negative. So like I look back on the material that I developed for that program and the, there was a lot of fear that I instilled in people around stress. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I took the approach of, Hey, that, you know, the modern world, um, so many of these different aspects of the modern world are bombarding us with stress, right? And whether it's the sedentary, um, environment, um, you know, big cities and, and the fact that there's so much, uh, artificial light, uh, there's always, you know, there's, there's frequency pollution, there's, there's all these different things. And, and so, you know, I think, I think all that's true and, and that those are major contributing factors to stress. But, you know, I also recognize now that there, it really is a balancing act right there. And I, rather than eliminating stress, um, developing resilience to stress is is why we are are such a stressed society we do not have that resilience to stress and one of the reasons is because we are putting ourselves in chronic states of stress so it is what i'm talking about there but more so on like a neurological level so if we look at let's say i mean just from a movement perspective and like a human animal perspective like specifically with the visual system, okay? So with the visual system, so many of us are staring at particular screens for, you know, and particular distances from those screens. And so we're not getting this visual variability. Um, You know, let's say we're looking down at our phone that's about, you know, 18 inches away from our face, maybe closer. A screen's probably about 12 to 18 inches away from our face. Our TV is, you know, that same fixated amount of space from our couch. So we're not getting like the nice, long, um, unfocused gaze that we might get if we're like roaming across the land as a human animal. The other thing is the, you know, I, I think when I talk about the visual system, people immediately think, oh, like, it's the clarity of the vision and that doesn't like that matters, but it's, it's not the end all be all. It's the visual system is, is taking in information around our surroundings. And if we don't have a good map of that, like a good map of our surroundings or like trust for that particular map, then in a, in a very survivalist way, we're going to have a heightened stress response. We're not going to be able to downregulate because we are feeling unsafe at all times. Mm. And this is another thing, you know, like when people, they say like, okay, there's a lot of stress around like really tall buildings. It like makes us feel small and, and attacked in ways. Right. Mm. Which is, I'm, I'm, I, I would have to see some specifics on that, but that's, that's some things that I've read. Um, and then the other aspect of it is on like a, a neurological level level related to posture. So I was actually talking with Mike Bledsoe about this uh, on Tuesday. And let's so if I were to like throw a punch at you right now, what would you do, Ryan? Probably. Um, how tall are you? Five eight. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'd go to the side. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. 
So let's say you felt really threatened. Yeah. I don't know how threatened you would feel by me with throwing a punch. <laughs> hey, my, I always my... feel threatened if someone throws a punch. <laughs> okay, so there's gonna be there's gonna be a threat response, yeah, right? So definitely. if you feel threatened, what are you going to do posturally? Um, I'm gonna tense up most likely. You know, that's what I would immediately think. Like, you know, probably tense up and try to defend myself in a way of like either going backwards, depending on how tall the person is, or go to the side if someone's shorter. You know, um, yeah, that's probably what I would think right off the bat. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what we can take from that is like you ball up. Mm-hmm. So thinking of like the body as being very tense and rigid that will contribute to more of a stress response in terms of the hormonal level in the body. So a typical threat reflex is going to be forward head posture, high shoulders, hands, or, or you know, basically the forward head posture and the shoulders, you're rounding there to protect the chest. You're protecting your heart. Mm. Um, so you have these rounded shoulders, you uh, usually will have a tight abdomen to protect the internal organs. And, you know, a lot of times your hips are going to tighten up, your pelvic floor, your butthole is going to cinch up. All these different things are a threat response. And so many people are experiencing these things as the normal. So we are in a consistently stressful state. And therefore, we do have excess stress. But because of that, we're also lacking a lot of resilience to stress. So people that are really balled up, okay, when something else stresses them, they're already redlining. So their response is they start crying or they get angry or, you know, they might punch something or, or um, you know, they'll have a panic attack and, and whatnot. But all these things right here, because people are redlined on this neurologically stressed level, and hormonally stress level as well because that the posture will release particular hormones in that case right there we do not have any sort of resilience to stress when it shows up in our lives so that's really how i look at stress and and yes we need to down regulate we absolutely need to um rid our body of stress but what are these things that are contributing to stress on a day-to-day basis? Okay, can we unlock those things? And then on the neurological level, let's have some fun with challenging our visual system. Let's have some fun with challenging our balance, our, our vestibular system. Let's have some fun with um, learning new skills and, and getting going through different proprioceptive movements, understanding how our joints move through space, tying these things together in athletic manner and stress the body and the brain in these ways that our brain can start to develop resilience to stress in these different ways. So that's really how I add the neurological component to my training is like, yeah, we're going to be doing some stuff, but I'm going to be like, Oh, you know, you usually start, Maybe you have one side that you start an exercise with. I want you to be aware of that. And whatever side you just started with, is that the side you continually start with? All right, start with the other side. You know, so break those habits and bring some some conscious awareness to these these movement practices that allows us to break the mold and create new neural pathways. And the funny thing about 
the brain. And I posted something about this on Instagram today and I, I've been searching for the stat, but I think it's like, it's like, uh, the brain learns 10 to 20 times faster in terms of the number of repetitions. So like 10 to 20 times less repetitions when it's play, when it's novel, when it's having fun, when the brain has these problems that it actually cares about solving. So if we're going through some mundane activity and maybe it was like really interesting three months ago, but we're still doing it, how can we add a little novelty to it where our brain, where we perk up and we're like, oh, I have something else to pay attention to here. And um, that's something that goes back to, I'm sure you have read, and if you haven't, I'm sure you're aware of some of the stuff in it, but Atomic Habits, mm -hmm. where he talks about consistency and, um, what does he say, Contis consistency and... Um, and like conscious practice or consistency and like attention to detail is what leads to mastery. Cause there's a certain point with consistency where you have done it so many times that your intention with it and the attention to detail is going to waver. And so what can we do to continuously bring back that attention to detail so we are becoming a master in these things. We're not just like saying, oh, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep doing this because like if you practice something with with a poor, if you practice something poorly, you're going to get really good at doing something poorly. The skill may develop, but over time, like you will develop these these poor patterns. And so applied to movement, like I can't just practice a squat and say, I'm going to do a thousand reps. And that's going to get me to where I need to be. It's like, nah, you need to bring some intent to those repetitions. And when you do that, do those thousand squats over the course of whatever amount of time and then measure that difference right there. You're going to be miles ahead of that person that's just going through the repetitions. Yeah, man, that's that's so true and you know i'm curious you know for those listening that might be feeling that right might be feeling that forward head posture and like that like really just you know defensive stance right because that's essentially what it is what we're talking about is it's having a stance or a posture that is defensive right just like we were talking about with like regards to um what would happen in the past when someone would try to hit you, you know, um, mm -hmm. protecting your vital organs, you know, clenching everything. Um, what are a couple of tips you would give people that they could start with, you know, in terms of just like simple things for someone just beginning that might be listening to this, that they could start reducing their chronic stress at home? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think the, well, I know this is the best place to start not being able to show a physical example of this. Um, is is a bit challenging but uh, you know really breathing into the rib cage um in 360 degrees mm. and what i would advise people to do is is actually place their hands on the sides of their rib cage and breathe into those hands equally on both sides with the intent that you're filling up a balloon so view your lungs as a balloon or not just each, you have two balloons in there and they're expanding in 360 degrees. So what's going to happen there is your rib cage is really glued up. 
and that's going to lead to a bunch of shoulder and neck issues. It's probably going to lead to some hip issues as well. Um, and so all, I know all my issues with, with my body uh, over the years and, and the stuff that I'm working out of, like it has to do with so much of that, that tissue around my rib cage being really tight and how that links into the diaphragm. So by bringing some, uh, conscious practice to the, the 360 breathing right there is really going to allow that rib cage to open up and that's going to change how the shoulder blades are sitting on the rib cage how the shoulder blades are gui- uh, gliding how the head sits on top of the rib cage and how that spine stacks so i would say that right there is is a huge one right there so really focusing on how much can i expand this rib cage i do this this uh this one drill called play the accordion (laughs) and you essentially just mime that you're playing an accordion. And, uh, if you do want to check out some of this stuff, I have, uh, I have, uh, some of these movement meditations on my YouTube channel. If you just search oddball fitness, you can find some of this stuff and it's going to go over the 360 breathing and the play the accordion. Um, but what I like to do because I got my hands there in front of me is my my fingers my hands those are my ribs and that's my rib cage so as i really open up that accordion with the inhale my rib cage is expanding laterally my rib cage is expanding in all directions and 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 with that i can get very expressive with my hands i can do them in different directions i can be a virtuoso uh um accordion player and go in all these different directions and really pair my breath with movement and use that visualization, use that meditation technique to, to, um, personify, you know, I guess personify is not the right word, but, uh, you know, essentially give, give my hands and give my rib cage something that is, is simultaneously expanding. So that, that's a, a drill that I really like and I find a ton of opening, in the rib cage, which is just really going to help undo a lot of that threat reflex and the tightness that we experience. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd really start people with just a simple breathing drill right there. There was one more thing I wanted to add there. Um, but I'm blanking on it. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, use closing your eyes too and breathing like that and, I think a lot of times we want to correct the posture immediately and understanding that like it is a process of unwinding. And um, I was so focused on the mirror for so long in terms of how things would look in the mirror rather than going by feel and allowing my body to unwind and understand that like your body went through a weird process to get there (laughs) and it's going to be a weird process to untangle it as well. So you know, if, uh, if something feels good and it feels that you're expanding and opening up, like follow that as opposed to being like, Oh, this one shoulder looks higher than the other shoulder. Um, you know, and and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so I hope that's helpful for anybody listening right there. Um, in terms of the other thing is like, not like what I just said right there, not putting too much pressure on like shapes. So really just, giving yourself um, the opportunity to move in bite-sized fashion. So if you are sitting a lot throughout the day, do some things that are 
you know, going to get you out of your chair or even do some things in the chair. And I think the other thing is too, people, people like, Oh, I, I have a standing desk. It's like, you're still sedentary (laughs) and, and you're probably going to get lazy in certain aspects of your posture. So the, the perfect posture, and this is nothing new to you, but the perfect posture is no posture. So like wiggle around, open up, like, like it's, you got, you got to just rid the body of some of that tension. And a lot of times that's just like kind of going into a forward fold and, and stretching out and, and pedaling the, the legs and then, and bending the knees on each side and, and allowing these things to, to lengthen out. So, um, yeah, so a lot of the stuff that I have on my YouTube channel and, you know, was, was largely born out of the active de-stress stuff. It's just like, it's, it's, move, it's, it's movement that can be done at any time of the day and for any time, increment of time. So whether it's one minute, three minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, it, you, uh, you start to open up things that way. And uh, back to, you know, let's say somebody's like, oh, what's one minute going to do? Well, if you do one minute of movement, you know, three or four times a day, you're giving the signal to your body to open up three to four times a day. And one could argue that the frequency of giving the signal to your body to open up four times a day as opposed to one time, even if that one time is like 40 minutes to an hour, would be more beneficial for the nervous system and get you out of that that um, postural reflex uh, more quickly, you know? So that is something that I definitely recommend is uh, breathe and move frequently and doesn't matter how much time. Yeah, dude, I love that, man. And, you know, I, uh, that helps me a lot too, because, you know, uh, my rib cage is definitely like the area um, that's had them, you know, kind of like, it's pretty much the epicenter of the body. It's where everything meets in the middle. And, um, you know, when we go to Oregon, I'll definitely be uh, picking your brain more about that. Because uh, uh, I want some in-person oddball fitness instruction, you know. So, oh, yeah, um, man. dude, Grant, my man, this has been a hell of a fun adventure getting an opportunity to share space with you and hear about your journey. Um, where can people find you to connect with you and learn more about oddball fitness and all the amazing services you offer? Yeah, man. Well, um, I really appreciate you having me on the, uh, on the highly optimized podcast. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's it's been an absolute pleasure and and thanks for, you know, asking great questions and holding space. Um, if you, if you dig what you're hearing here, uh, give me a follow on Instagram, oddball fitness, uh, all one word. And, um, you'll know you're in the right place. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, and then uh, if you want to check out my website for my one-on-one coaching and my movement membership, um, oddballfitness.com. And then uh, I'm still working on those first 100 subscribers. I'm almost there on my YouTube channel. Um, and I, so I just search Oddball Fitness. I'd love to have that clear tag, Oddball Fitness, but that will come in due time. Yeah. And um, yeah, give me a, a subscribe there. I post, uh, you know, I post probably once or twice a month and some movement stuff, some mentality stuff, lifestyle things, and uh, just some different things for you to chew on and incorporate. And one thing that I would just say with all the stuff that I've brought up is, you know, this has been an ongoing process for me, but making sure that the information that I provide is, um, is spurring action. 
as opposed to adding layers of complexity that that may prevent people from taking action. So with all this stuff, like we we brought it up at the very beginning, the, the messy action, start implementing some of this stuff, you know, and and it can be really helpful to just start that. So if something really resonated with you on this particular podcast, just start doing that. Mm. Spend a week, two weeks, a month doing that and then see where you're at and then add the next thing. And I, I know that that's going to help a lot of people unravel, um, you know, these, these physical and mental knots that we all have developed throughout the years. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when you start to unravel those layers. Yeah, I love that, man. <clears throat> and it's so true. And it's something that I've really been instructing a lot of my clients in, too, is like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, that will take years. And I'm like, yeah, but the years are going to go by regardless. Right. So <laughs> you might as well <laughs> yeah. start now. Right. Like, you know, and uh, I saw Chris Marhefka talking about that today. Like, you're not too old. You're not, you know, it isn't, you know, it's not you know, you have, you don't have your best years behind you or anything like that. It's just, they're going to go by regardless. So you're either going to start or you're in two years, you would have been two years more ahead and you'll start then, you know? So, um, yeah, I highly uh, recommend and, and agree with what you were saying is just, just start somewhere. You know, every journey has, uh, you know, uh, what was it? The, uh, the journey of a million miles starts at one step, you know, or whatever that old saying is. I always butcher it, but yeah, I think people get what I'm saying. You know, they're used to me butchering yeah. things on the show. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think something that is like another analogy that I, or metaphor for life that uh, I come back to is like, I found so many things with like exercise and specifically exercise, but I'm, I'm seeing that there's obviously other elements to this and that feed into it is like, I'll find something that I think is like, the end all be all thing that's going to solve my problems. And then like with more, more perspective, I realize that it's a puzzle piece and like, I don't know how many pieces come in the puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) That's the journey, my man. We just gotta, we just keep finding new ones, right? And keep piecing the, piecing it together and, and we get more clarity and understanding and, and accuracy for our own experience. So, um, and everybody's puzzles different. So, yep. Yeah, man. Uh, highly agreed. If someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would Grant Thomas suggest that change be? Mm. Oh, shit. Let's see. <laughs> Recognize your relationship with yourself and really examine whether that's a good relationship or one that is detrimental to your success or what you want in life. Um, I could talk, I could just, I could say some things like breathe more, put your hands on the ground, like roll around on the ground. All those things are great. But like (laughs) the big thing that has moved the needle for me and, and of all the people that I've talked with, it's that, you know, is, uh, is making sure that the person that you see in the mirror is somebody that you accept and that you love. And uh, you don't need to do anything to get to that point rather than just saying, hey, I accept myself and I love myself. So um, that is my one biggest key right there. And I know it's a huge overarching thing and it's very simple rather than easy, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) I really, you know, I, I know when people knock that domino down, 
oh man, everything else just starts to fall into place. Yeah, man, I highly agree with that too. You know, self-love is always, it's the best love and it's the love that all other love starts with, you know, and uh, yeah, I love that. Guys, Grant is someone who, if he hasn't already, will immediately put a smile on your face and allow you to remember that our innate nature as human beings is to stay moving, stay grounded, and most importantly, to have fun. He is a warm soul who, from the first moment I came across, left me feeling inspired and ready to leave the dogma of the fitness world behind, to tune into my body and ask not what my body could do for me, but rather what I could and should do for my body. So, if you're someone who is looking for an upgrade to your overall well-being, look no further than Grant. Grant, thank you so much for stopping by, my man. This was an absolute pleasure, and I can't wait to meet up in 3D in Oregon, woo, and learn even more ways to embody the archetype of the oddball with you. Until next time, my friend, journey well, be well, much love. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.